Welcome to the Double D Do Business Podcast by RLC with your hosts, Dave Evans and Debbie Halls Evans, where they meet each week with guests and discover ways you can help yourself and others become best version businesses, teams, and people. Uh, welcome to WD Do Business Season 3. I'm here with... Debbie Halls Evans. You know, Debbie, this is the most consistent thing we've ever done, isn't it? This podcast thing. Well, I'd say the business is pretty consistent. Oh, that's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> now, um, we're going to talk about someone today or with somebody today who, uh, of course, is involved in multiple facets well, of Well, not roles. of course, because nobody knows that yet. That's true. That's linguistically incorrect. Yeah. Um, Debbie, would you like to introduce our <laughs> guest on this episode? Well, I'm going to get them to introduce themselves uh, because they are mastering, and I'm sure you'll tell us different, but you're mastering how to do many things at once. And particularly with COVID, I think your story is really interesting. So over to you. Introduce yourself. Hi, well, great to be with you both. Uh, my name is Martin Cody. I am a co-founder of a company called Seller Angels and also a full-time business development specialist for a healthcare company called Matica. And this is the bit I want to explore with you, Martin, is in reference to having a full-time, very intense job. This is not just a, you know, I kind of do nine to five job. And also, uh, with the help of your beautiful wife, uh, run Seller Angels, which is, again, a, it's a really established business. How do you do the both? It's, uh, and just for everybody's edification, Cellar Angels is an online direct-to-consumer wine company here in the United States, and it exists solely in the digital space, so there is no bricks and mortar, and it is a fine wine curator specializing in Napa and Sonoma wines. So that is, in fact, a, a full-time gig. It does require an, an extensive amount of time investment, and we founded that business in 2010. The healthcare gig is something that I'm also very passionate about because it's healthcare I've been involved in for 30 years. And this is really transforming the way data moves within the United States healthcare system in a more efficient manner to decrease healthcare costs for everybody, but also at the same time, allow physicians to be onboarded with payers in a more efficient manner so that they can start rendering services sooner uh, and then earning an income from those services rendered. So yes, both are, are pretty complex. And, and require a significant amount of time investment. And, and, I, and I think that probably the most critical factor is the management of time. Okay. So how do you value time in your life then? So let's, let's go philosophical first. What's your emotional or human connection to time? Martin? You know, if, I, if you were teaching me to appreciate time, what are some of the things you might say? It's a wonderful question. And I wish I knew now, or I wish I knew 30 years ago about time, what I know now about time. And, and I think you can peel back this onion as it relates to time philosophically uh, with kind of the language that we use surrounding time. We can kill it, we can waste it, we can spend it. Uh, those are all depleters of time, or we can invest it, uh, we can recoup it. And so, so time to me is the single most important element or building block of success, bar none. It, it is to me, it's, it's sacred in the, in the capacity of how do we want to utilize it from an efficiency standpoint. It's the only thing that they aren't making more of. It, it can be, and there's countless phrases on this. You can be wiped out financially multiple times over and still build a fortune. 
but you just can't get time back. And, and we, we use it or invest it uh, in, in my opinion, inappropriate manners. And it's amazing to me when I've taught sales over the years and had people underneath me, we would talk about this at length to say, okay, well, did you watch the football game on Sunday? And for the United States, that's the football where there's 11 on 11. Yeah. And they, and they wear helmets. Uh, <laughs> and, and the answer was almost always yes. I don't know what that is. No, 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 I don't no, know what you're talking about. No. Soccer. Yeah, no. But there's, there's three hours of your life that you watch that game every Sunday that you won't get back. Now, if that's yeah. part of your discretionary enjoyment of time, that's great. And if you have figured out a way to fit that in your life, that's fantastic. But, but I've found too often most people haven't. And, and they end up wasting a very, very valuable three hours that could have been used to produce something or uh, enhance their own knowledge on something or become a better skilled at any individual task. And so for me, it, it's really all about the appropriateness of, of time management and, and, and finding ways to increase the return of the investment in time. So let's look at Seller Angels for a moment. Uh, and, and we are huge fans of Seller Angels. Because um, I, awesome. I, I, I think you do two things. You directly connect and you can feel and sense the experiences from the exclusive places you source your wine from. And we'll explore that in a moment as well for you to tell us a bit about that. But also you really get the energy of you and Denise from the business too and your team. And, and I love that. And whenever our clients have received, if you're listening to Double D Business today and you're thinking, wow, I'm in America, I could do with some really cool gifting. When our clients have opened gifts you've sent them for us, they are genuinely delighted and surprised at the, the quality and the value. So um, you started in 2010, two years after a downturn. We're in a downturn at the moment, thanks to COVID. Um, so how did you manage to get this thing going? Well, it certainly was a lot of sweat equity, as they say. And prior to the formation of Cellar Angels in 2010, we actually had owned a bricks and mortar wine store actually during this time. And you're right, there was an economic downturn in 08 and 09. Yep. And it was a global economic downturn, not too dissimilar to where we find ourselves today. And as a result of that, you saw industry being transformed. And Many businesses, specifically to us, near and dear to us, were small, independent, family-run wineries. And they were going uh, bankrupt through no fault of their own, but just through really, not a global pandemic, but at that point in time, it was more of a global financial crisis of greed. And that, that pained us because these were families that had dedicated generations to their craft and through no fault of their own, uh, were shuttered. And we decided to do something about that. And one of the philosophies that we have, if you will, is that there's good everywhere or opportunity everywhere. You just have to train yourself to find it. And, and if you looked at 08 and 09, we weren't spared from that financial calamity at all. We had five investment properties that we were underwater on and that sort of thing. So we were very, very close to financial ruin. And we decided to actually take on another project, uh, which uh, in hindsight might not have been the wisest thing to do but it actually afforded us the opportunity to say, okay, there's paranoia all around us. There's calamity all around us. Through this, there has to be an opportunity for good. Let's train ourselves to find that and, and seize that opportunity for positivity. And, and again, I, I don't do this without the assistance of Denise. She is, is really uh, my spouse, the one behind the scenes that actually 
is the glue of the organization. And, and I think that allows a lot of the success of the organization because there's two people doing this in, in capacity to, to manage the day-to-day -day operations of things. And, and it was just fundamentally finding the, I guess the value prop in everything, making certain the customer has an unbelievable experience, making certain that the winery is well taken care of, making certain that the wine is always delivered in an appropriate manner. And it's just caring after the customer and, and taking care of the customer's needs before your own. Yeah. And I love that. I was, we've been doing a lot of work with uh, new clients and getting people to really understand that when they set up a business, we're all very passionate, overused word, but we're all very passionate, but doesn't necessarily mean I've got business skills that go with it. But then understanding that all of the other elements that you've got to put together to make it work. One of the other things about Seller Angels is you, there's an added value to it, yeah. isn't there? Which is the angel element, which is really important. Tell us a bit more about that. Uh, that's a great part. And, and it's, that's probably one of the DNA aspects in us that is so gratifying is when in 08 and 09, when we were looking around at, at the financial ruin, and we know wine very, very well. As I mentioned, we owned the bricks and mortar wine store and we decided, okay, hang on a second. We know yep. people love wine. We know that people at their core are genuinely good and also philanthropic. So what about if we founded a business where we can connect these small production wineries that don't have national distribution and you can't get their wines unless you actually travel to wine country. What if we connect them to consumers around the United States and as a byproduct of that connection, we give a portion of every single transaction to a charity. And, and for us in the United States, I haven't been to a philanthropic event that didn't serve wine or spirits or something. And, and I don't have a, a white paper on this, but I know that most people of means are also very charitable and philanthropic. Uh, and they also like wine for the most part. So why not just connect these two and, and see what we can do, see how much good we can do by doing good. And the angel portion is, is really kind of sacred to us as well. And people love it. They, they write us and they will call us and leave messages and say, I love your charity aspect. Uh, it's the hardest decision I have to make which charity to pick to donate to because there's so many good causes. So it really is just one of those things we want to perpetuate and, and just see how big we can make that, that giving movement, if you will. I think it's fantastic and I, I do think one of the most endearing parts is I've seen something because it's about social and community which is actually what wine is and then you working with these boutique generational businesses it, it all they all join so kind of naturally together it's I think it's an incredible synergy I, I love it as well because it, it put it pulls together two key features of business doesn't it that commercial demands and business performance and growth and sustainability alongside giving back and contributing to the world or communities that you're part of. I also love the passion and mission that you have of bringing these smaller boutique vineyards into the marketplace and taking them to the, as you highlighted, the, the type of person who spends money on this product and, and giving them access to that too. One last thing about Cellar Angels then, tell us about your club, because you have a club, don't you, in the US? We do, it's actually, it's actually we have three of them now, wine clubs that are quarterly and it, it's kind of nice because folks get 10 to 12 bottles of wine a quarter and it's a different winery each quarter we actually focus on wineries that we know our membership is going to be impressed by and we also go deep into the winery's inventory or library if you will and and we tell them what we're going to select for the wine club 
and it's it's quite a bit different than the way most wine clubs are run in the United States. I think upwards of 95% of all wine clubs in the US are run by distributors. So they will pick and choose long inventory items and then package those or repurpose them with literature and those sorts of things. And for us, it's it, it's not about commercialization or mass production. And, it, and it's interesting as, as you get older and I'm in my mid fifties now, you recognize that it's, it's very seldom as anything mass produced the valuable item. It, it's, it always seems to be whether it's, it's high-end bicycles for touring or whether it's clothing or whether it's even dining establishments, uh, those sorts of things, they're usually produced in limited production. And, yeah. and there's an attention to quality there. There's an attention to craftsmanship. There's, there's and Debbie, you mentioned passion. And certainly that does come through with the farmer who is for all intents and purposes, are these individual wineries, they're farmers. They're out in the, in the vineyards every single day, taking care of the vines. And, and that dedication to craft, commitment to the land, that comes through uh, in the final product. And, and so that we think is an endearing story and, and, a, and a part of the industry that's the fabric of the industry, quite honestly, is the small independent farmer, family run winery that we wanna try to help promote their goods that you just don't find. And, and that is, is fun for us. It's, it's, that, it's that storytelling, it's that romance, and, and it does bring people together. So it's, mm -hmm. It's the socialization, it's the community, it's, it's the sharing uh, over a good bottle of wine. Uh, it hasn't gotten old for me, so I hope it doesn't get old for anybody else. And you've also been doing these Friday night um, get-togethers, haven't you, on Zoom as well. So how, how's, that, how's that been going and how many people have tuned in at the max to do wine tasting on video? It's, uh, it's growing and as the shelter-in-place orders kind of some of them have been pulled back and now some of them are being reinstated and we apparently haven't learned our lesson on how to wear a mask so there is a propensity to rec recognize that we're going to be sheltered in place for a while go ahead if you're listening to double dd business today we won't be editing out our dog barking so martin and i are going to carry on while debbie answers the door <laughs> so we don't, we don't correct these if you're listening. We let these things happen because it's real life. So you, you were saying about not being able to wear a mask yet, not learning our lessons. Let's pick up from there, Martin. Sure. So, so we recognized very early on that shelter in place actually is an acronym for SIP. So we started a virtual SIP Friday night, date night, if you will, to where every single Friday night for the last 14 Fridays, we have invited a winemaker from Napa Valley or Sonoma Valley to a virtual event with our customers around the country. And in fact, you don't even have to be a customer because you can tune in, we broadcast live and Zoom and yep. Facebook simultaneously. And at our max, you mentioned, we've had about 75 people around the country and it's a great way for people to interact with a winemaker, to ask questions, uh, learn a little bit about the passionate story that they have, why they're in this crazy business. And we've even, to Denise's credit, we put together a a sip tasting kit, which is six bottles of wine, and it changes every single week. And it will have six individual bottles of wine so that for the next six Fridays, when you purchase one of these, you will have the bottle of wine that the owner or winemaker is talking about and can learn intimately what's happening with the bottle, what was going on with that particular vintage, how it was from a growing standpoint. And, and really it's, it's humorous, it's educational, it's engaging. It's a ton of fun because while we have to physically distance, I think we all crave social interaction. And so this is just a, a mechanism to 
appease that. And it's been very, very well received. And we have people that haven't missed a single week, which is impressive to us. That is, isn't it? That's commitment and dedication. So, so Debbie, whilst we were interrupted poetically there by the dog, was, <laughs> was, the, was the delivery anything exciting? It was really exciting. It's we uh, we del we have our, our toilet roll is delivered by a company who gives a crap. It's actually that's what it's actually called. Who gives a crap? And it goes com. back to a little bit of the uh, ethos of Cellar Angels that it gives back. So. 50% of the profits actually go back to places around the world that don't have toilets and build toilets for them. So, and it's all very, it's very nice, but it's really cool. And it's wrapped really funky, isn't it? Well, there you go. That's what the delivery was. Actually, unwrapping them is quite an experience. It is, it's quite nice. They really are gift wrapped. It's bamboo and everything. So, come on. Sorry. Moving from toilet paper, toilet roll, back to Cellar Angels. And now let's talk about this other part of your life where you're, transforming data um, in the medical space. I mean, that, that must be, I mean, going from what goes on here in the UK, hospitals in generally are not joined up with technology. So even, even your general practitioner, where you go and see the local doctor and then go to a main hospital, they, they, they're not the same file systems. So I think this is a huge opportunity to make the patient existence better. How, how have you been finding it and how do you approach this? Yes, it's, it's interesting because the two worlds collide from wine and healthcare. And, and luckily, it actually kind of healthcare brought Denise and I together. So she was a nurse, and we met oh, 20 some odd years ago at a medical conference. But no one would design the healthcare system data movement the way it is currently designed in the United States. It's just fraught with inefficiencies from the word go. Yeah. And, and as a practitioner, as a physician, it's the only vocation that I know of in the world where you are going to perform a service without knowing what you are going to get paid for that service in advance. So when you think about that, and this is, you know, this isn't fixing a car, this is healthcare. So it's yeah. a pretty important service that they're performing. And so there's so many proverbial hands in the cookie jar that it's very, very difficult to to move data around because it has to have a stop off here, whether it's the credentialing prospect or the enrollment with the insurance uh, companies. And XYZ Hospital has 25 insurance plans. And in order to render privileges and care at that hospital, you as a physician have to be enrolled in all 25 of them. And each one of those 25s has a different packet of information. And the, while those packet of information might be eight to 15 pages, 95% of the information is the same on there. However, it's not streamlined, it's manual for the most part. And some of these insurance companies don't accept electronic information, you have to fax it in, or you have to use mail. And so that is just insane in this age of uh, where we are from technology and the movement of data on a device that we hold in our hand and what we're able to do. So it's, it's very gratifying, it's very hard as you, or difficult as you can imagine to kind of change some of the silo mentality that has existed for 75 years or longer. And some people are probably going to not be happy that it's more efficient because it might cut their hand out of the cookie jar when you recognize I can move data from point A to point B and I don't need you in that capacity. It, it is better for everyone involved except the company taking their slice out of the pie. So it's, it's a long-term sales cycle oftentimes measured between, you know, nine and 18 months, because it takes a long time to change people's thought processes and, and to get their heads in the right space and to recognize 
Uh, growth can, doesn't always have to be through acquisition, but it can be through internal and more efficiency to drive bottom line profits. And, and it's, but it's gratifying when you do get the customer recognizing, well, if I can do this for 30% less and have an increase in output, why wouldn't I do that? And, 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 and it's, time is long overdue. Yeah. And the patient experience is better. That's the, the other experience thing. is better. The physician experience is better. Uh, I, I don't know how it is in the UK, but it's, if you're not in healthcare and you get an EOB, an explanation of benefits, and you sometimes get these 30 days after your physician visit, you might get them 90 days after, you continue to get six months worth of statements, it's extremely confusing. And so the patient experience has an opportunity to be greatly enhanced with this. And, and as does the physician experience, and it, it just benefits everybody involved in the process. Of course, we, in, the, in the UK, we come at it from a very different angle. So our NHS service, there's no statements. There's no, uh, because it's funded as part of how tax is collected in the UK. But what it does is the data that is stored is, is different in every single hospital. So, or every single doctor's surgery or, and, and it, what, it, that, what it does from a, an experience perspective on both sides, whether I'm the, the doctor or whether I'm the patient is that it's, it's just a lack of speed. Well, yeah. health needs speed, <laughs> you right. know, and it, it is a bait, it needs that, that um, collaboration. So, and I know there's like, there's very, there's niche areas. There's one particular surgery, uh, surgery doctor's surgery in, in Scotland that's radicalized and changed the whole process, how they communicate and the speed of everything that they do is instant. And it's, it's, you know, it's radicalized everything around them and the, the relationship with the local hospitals. So it is, a, it's a fascinating subject. And, and given it's, but it's go back to something that you said earlier, Martin, about you can't get time back. We can't make any more of it. You know, we're often dealing with life or death in these environments. And actually, because of that, they really should be more like the aviation industry, more like the most advanced technology on the planet. And they should be like our iPhones and like our smartphones and Android. It should be this completely automated experience. It means you've got more confidence facing peril. Because sometimes you can be, COVID has taught us, hasn't it? COVID has been terrifying for those who've gone in let alone dealing with what you were just describing about, or, or am I even covered and will I have a bill afterwards that I can't even afford? So it's to, to know that that was tidied up at least would make that less painful. It certainly, and it has a long-term effect too, because the, on the physician side of things, physician or, or students going into medicine is on the decline. And it's, it's on the decline partly because of the administrative burden, because of the physician burnout due to administrative burden and hurdles. And, and most folks in medicine, at least on the clinical side and patient facing, they're there because they are impassioned by the treatment and provision of care. They wanna help someone get better. All of the back office stuff is an absolute nightmare. So when that nightmare continues to grow and shows no sign of, of abatement, then yes, that does not become a very gratifying occupation to pursue. So, and we all need it. It's literally the only industry that every single one of us will touch at some point in time in our life without fail. Yes. So that's something that I, I think is important to make efficient. And I, the easiest way to analyze or analogize rather what we do is there's, I think you have this as well, but there's a traffic app in the United States called Waze. And and they basically find the fastest way for you to go from point A to point B. 
Yes. And, and they will identify visually problems or bottlenecks along the way. And, and that's kind of what we do behind the scenes is we've got this data from the physician that needs to get enrolled in all these carriers, these insurance carriers. So we're going to find the fastest path to make that happen. And, and it, we changed the process from 90 plus days to under 14. And is a significant improvement that at least starts the improvement process in this one little area of healthcare. That's incredible. So can I just go back to, because it, I think it kind of ties it all together neatly is you talked about time. And I think, you know, that as you say, both of the businesses reflect that one is quality time, generational time. Um, and also the, the language, which, fascinates me because I love linguistics, but uh, the positive element of using time and using positive language with time. Mm. If you could go back 20 odd years ago to your younger self and starting eight, well, be, I'm, I'm being generous, Martin. <laughs> and uh, What three things would you do about yeah. time? Because I think that when we ask clients, what is their biggest challenge? I would pretty much say, eight out of 10 will say time management. So what are the three things that we must do and we must get right? So I've thrown that on the spot, so apologies. <laughs> That's fine. It's, this would be another whole podcast, but the, if I could tell my younger self, so to speak, uh, some axioms as it relates to time, I, I would first and foremost tell myself, stop wasting so much time beating yourself up. And, and that gets to really uh, clearing up your headspace. And, and the amount of time that I wasted in my 20s uh, just demonizing myself is, it pains me today to recognize what a waste that was. Yeah. Uh, so, so self-forgiveness, I would invest a little time in understanding self-forgiveness in that capacity. And, and I, I think to a large degree, because of technological advancements, people today have a exponentially easier than we had it from a time management standpoint 25 30 years ago i mean the power that we have in our in our palm in a smartphone whether it's organizational skills calendars habit apps those sorts of things is and i'm very big these days into micro habits yeah and and, and i wish i i spent or invested more time in productivity back in in my 20s uh, and and I think this is also this isn't this is a, I guess the a a crime of youth or one of those things where you recognize hey you're in your twenties all right you're you're post university go enjoy yourself and and trust me I did um, and, and you have a you have a couple friends that we both know that will vouch for that yeah but the so that's all part of that maturation process and that's all part of the evolution of, of knowledge attainment but i would certainly say don't beat yourself up as much as you did forgive yourself in that capacity because you, you waste a lot of time in the self-loathing environment uh, i would probably tell myself listen find three or four or five things that are very very important to you uh, from a pursuit standpoint and and invest time in those areas and then I would also strongly encourage my younger self to identify the areas of fulfillment of which you find fulfillment internally and see if you can enhance those. A little bit. That's a, that's a chunky uh, meal plate right there, isn't it? 
what you need is a nice glass of wine. <laughs> it is 7 a.m. in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's uh, I believe a good friend of ours whose name shall be mentioned will say it's always wine time somewhere <laughs> in the world. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I love these bits of advice. And if you're listening back to WD Business today, we are talking to uh, Martin from Seller Angels and his wife, Denise, and Martin, the data technological super salesman driving change in medical practices across the states. And we are absolutely visiting the tips just a moment ago that if you were giving advice to yourself in the past that you could make, you know, clearing your headspace, practicing self-forgiveness, giving yourself a bit of a breathing space, I think it's great advice alone, and investing in those six areas that you find fulfillment in and inside your head too. So great, great feedback. So Martin, as you look to the future, the continuous adventure that is your life, what are some of the things you're hoping to see manifest themselves in the future? The probably first and foremost is the continuation of personal and professional refinement and, and the appreciation of that process. And it's, it's, you know, there's a bunch of age old axioms where it's, it's the journey. It's not the destination. And I strongly believe in that. I also believe don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. And, and we are in the constant pursuit of perfection, but recognizing that you will never attain perfection is also an area of growth, but you should always be pursuing it in whatever endeavor you want to pursue. So from a manifestation of, of what we're trying to create professionally, it, it's, we, we want to have an abundance in all areas, an abundance of health, an, an abundance in gratitude, an, an abundance in, in wealth, an abundance in, in serving others, an abundance in legacy. And so Denise and I don't have children. So our businesses are our, our babies, if you will, or our children. And so we want to make certain that we are providing them the single greatest opportunity or opportunities for success. And, and yeah. that just requires kind of that the continual dedication to craft enhancement and, and always improving. Again, it gets down to that micro habit side of things where small incremental consistent changes have profound effects in any area that they're consistently applied, whether that's self-development or, or business enhancement. So those are the things that I want to continue to manifest uh, and, and ultimately someday be able to share that path that success or help others do it in a more compressed timeline if you will so this, this has been a special edition of double dd business monty's taking part and uh, earlier <laughs> on, when, when he was barking i think what he was saying is he wanted to ask you a question so he said martin is there any type of question you'd like to ask dave or debbie so you're gonna get you're gonna get a chance to ask either one of us a question that's on your mind today before we start to wrap up this brilliant episode of double dd business Oh, I think it's, people are always interested and I do conduct interviews weekly often uh, in professional space of, of individuals that have achieved quote unquote success. And I would certainly uh, put you two in that category. So I would be interested in learning from each of you and Debbie, I'll, I'll ask you first, uh, what was the, the single greatest obstacle you had to overcome? And then in the process of overcoming it, talk to us about the gratification of that achievement. Okay, mine's pretty deep. Um, and it instantly came to me as soon as you said it. And I was my own obstacle, which yeah. I, I really find interesting about, you talked about um, self-forgiveness. So in my 20s, I was grieving, I was widowed. Um, and I just lived the next 
10 years of my life just I wasted time I genuinely wasted time so I was my own obstacle and I think the gratification is one I'm 50 in six weeks time and I am so proud to be 50 and actually have got there and the satisfaction and joy that comes from appreciating even and I love your micro habits element as well but it, it is that whole thing of just seeing everything for what it is and it's actually bloody incredible so the ability to wake up next to this amazing man every morning is is incredible the ability to, you know we we have got five children and actually knowing we are blessed that they're all healthy and grandchildren that are healthy that is to me is incredible to be able to be that blessed so i think removing myself and actually not labeling myself not limiting myself and just saying i am who i am <laughs> like it or lump it but actually look what you've achieved and i think that's the biggest thing for me is recognition of everything um because it's never about the big books at the end it's always those tiny little things that make it all the worthwhile those are the bits that we can really dismiss. And I think there's two. So one is slightly humanistic with a serious intent. Uh, I think Debbie was one of my biggest obstacles. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> Welcome to this version of marital counseling. Um, we'll do... do business, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but if I think about the amount of time that would have consumed in relation to today's podcast, so time that it would have consumed for me to be patient, get restorative, um, peaceful time in my own headspace while, while you were fighting and working this through because it was you know it's only been in the last six or seven years that debbie's really found a space to get past the grieving from the past so that takes up space and and, and therefore i would say that was one of my biggest obstacles like, so no no it's actually all right <laughs> because the reward of it is it far outweighs the risk and you know in the leadership and leadership book i was very specific about debbie is a key to my psyche she's a key and an enabler right so back then it could have been it could go either the key could go left or right enabling or disabling but these days she's a complete enabler where whatever talent i had she was an enabler to help me see that i had to put down loyalty i was giving to people who frankly didn't deserve it who were in my life for a very long time and and i had to once once debbie started going through this this phase it allowed me to fully embrace being my optimized self whatever that is no, I, I, that's, I think that's extremely profound and powerful. And it, it touches upon another element of, of that, which is in order to really receive, you kind of have to let go. That's yeah. and, and, and that's a hard concept to unravel in your 20s or 30s. And, and some people don't unravel it at all. And it, it, but you're right. So and, and I think there's also another element of this that I tend to uh, wax poetic about and that's kind of embracing the universe and so if you allow it and don't resist it it will actually provide for you and and either through the manifestation that you talked about and discussed those sorts of things but you also have to have that discipline to let go and it harkens back to fundamentally three different things i think people need to recognize is people used to say you, you are what you eat and there's a truth there uh, because if you eat junk processed crap food you're not going to be at your optimal energy level you're not going to be at your optimal mental level but i would expand that in today's day and age that you are what you think you are what you read and you are what you eat and so dave you just talked about a key turning right or left and a key is an input 
And so we have to kind of monitor what our inputs are as, as what we read, what we see, what we allow ourselves to be influenced by. And, and that is a, a great, that was a huge learning curve for me to recognize that there's so many different forms of input and data that we can bring into our, our world. Yep. We need to monitor what's coming in because the, to use computers, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So it's the same thing, in my opinion, psychologically. And I connect with it because as we, as we bring our wonderful episode to it, this is the second episode in season three that could have just gone on for ages. And I'm, I don't feel this conversation needs to stop other than we, we stick with the parameters of right 35 minutes on the podcast. But the, I was walking with my younger brother recently on Father's Day and uh, we were talking together. And one of the things uh, I was saying to my younger brother was the greatest gift I've ever given my wife is the love to allow her to find healing. And if that's all I do for the rest of my days, I've done something that I could never have imagined. And, but yet in the same process, as you were just describing, you got to do the same thing yourself. Mm -hmm. All right. So I can only do that because I've been lucky enough to be around great people who've helped me do similar things. And that's all about back to the podcast today is about that utilization of your time because it's time that helped me do that many years ago. So Martin, how do people get in touch with Seller Angels? What do they need to do? Uh, www.sellerangels.com. Seller like a wine seller and angels like what we all believe to know as angels. And if you're in the US, you've got to get on that site. If you've got clients, you've got to order gifts from uh, Martin's company with Denise and you will delight your clients and customers. I was just going to say, you, you can order for delivery across the whole of the states, can't you? Because of the, it's, it's alcohol. Or so a couple, isn't it? It's just there, yeah, there's, there's four or five that still haven't caught up to the 20th century. And, uh, but, but for 45 out of the 50 states, you can order directly online and pick a charity and we donate to the charity. The, I think the biggest thing too is keep in mind, you can't get these wines. Uh, yeah. They are yeah. limited production. They aren't in stores. They aren't in retail. You usually only get them from the winery's mailing list. And so you get access to some of the best of Napa and Sonoma and someone benefits as a result of your passion. And good luck revolutionizing the medical world too. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So as we close this out, thank you for listening to Double D Do Business and every success with your learning. You've been listening to the Double D Do Business Podcast. Brought to you by RLC and sponsored by CoachPad. The coaching tool built for you by coaches for coaches. If you would like any assistance or help for what you've heard today, please feel free to get in touch with us at info at rlc-global.com. That's info at rlc-global.com. And we would be delighted to hear from you. Wishing you every success with your learning.